0: Hey there everybody
1: and welcome to the sports. 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 Podcast. I'm Joel Anderson.
2: I'm Jordan Palmville.
1: And joining us as always is the sports outsider, Phil Ranta.
2: It is almost Thanksgiving, y'all. Woo! Oh,
3: very exciting!
2: Yeah, I love Thanksgiving. It's a time where families come together and y'all sit around a table and you're all close to each other, shoulder to shoulder. You're eating but not turkey.
3: This you year. kind of share utensils. You know, you might spoon some mashed potatoes on someone's plate and then you might lick the spoon, and right? Then, you know, just pass. for fun. Then you oh,
2: mouth yeah. kiss other members of your guys, family.
3: Guys, obviously, I want to be
1: respectful of how we all have different Thanksgiving traditions. You know, like. We have a turkey, Uh, some people in like Italian families have some rigatoni, and you guys make Mm. out with each other. We are all from different places, but but this year we all need to just come together and be a little bit more comfortable I mean a little bit more careful about safety. Uh, so seriously guys, trigonosis, it's a whole thing. Don't undercook that bird is all really
2: don't undercook it. It's very
3: dangerous. We yeah, I call the Butterball hotline every year. Yeah. To make sure I'm doing it right. And I'm not going to burn the place down too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want it.
1: But don't, don't get me wrong. You want to make sure it's warm enough, but coast in, you know, because if you pull the bird at the right temperature, it's going to be overcooked.
2: Right. What I love to do is call the Butterball hotline and say, you know, it's weird. I have had the turkey in the freezer for 18 hours and it's just not warming up. (laughs) I set my freezer to high. (laughs) And the turkey is
3: still ice cold. I'm glad that Phil and I grew up listening to the same morning radio bits. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That, actually... that was like I feel like that was a mojo in the morning week of Thanksgiving special. That absolutely yeah. was.
1: My thing is, I like to call up the Butterball Hotline and act as if I assume that they're just there to give you those like balls of butter that you get at, like, weddings or other catered events?
2: Yeah, or, like, uh, barbecue restaurants when the, all the butter always comes in a little circle. It's like yeah. a spherical butterball. And I'm ball. like,
1: I've got my full turkey dinner, but these rolls are not going to butter themselves. Are you telling me you can't help me?
2: Yeah.
3: So we have a a, a long <laughs> driver on the show today. Is that correct, Phil?
2: Yeah, we do. Uh, so I, uh, a golfer by the name of Wilco Nianaber... Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm sure he'll be able to tell us how it's pronounced when yeah. he gets he's a, on. He's a South African fella. South African fella. He, he now has uh, – he had a 439-yard drive on Thursday. Oh, he's he now, smokes. Yeah, he's got the highest average drive uh, of any golfer. So I got to imagine that's a, that's a pretty impressive feat. Okay, Let me ask he's, you a, he's he's a, a technical question. he got
1: the longest commute to the course is what you're saying? Yeah, it's Can a ask- very
3: long drive. Can I ask a technical uh, sports-based question? Please do. <laughs> when when he he said he had the longest drive, he hit it 439 yards. Is that correct? That's correct. Was it on a course that was say like uh it was it a par 5 or or is this like a par 3 that he just totally fucking overshot
2: it? You know, I actually watched the video and it did not go get all the way to the green, so I assume it must have been a par 5.
3: Because I was wondering if it counts, if he, if he pulls that in a par three. It's still very impressive that he hit it that far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Though well, it might be think, on the next hole. That's why know? this,
2: like, average drive length thing is bullshit, yeah. because on some courses you're not hitting it as hard as you can.
1: That right. ball is soaring. It is sailing. This is a monster drive. It is going to leave the green a good 75 yards behind.
2: Oh, it's in the pool for the, <laughs> yeah. for the apartment complex around the golf course.
1: That man seems awfully angry about the golf ball in his windshield, but
3: does he know it's the biggest drive on the PGA Tour this year? So he has the longest average drive, and so we'll be able to, I guess, maybe find out uh, how he's able to hit a ball so far. I want
2: to know his secrets. We got a wide world of weird sport, Phil?
3: You're goddamn right we do. And news, 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 but first, Chicago Cubs update, watch, update.
1: Chicago Cubs update, watch, update. Brought to you by...
2: Old Style Beer. Hey, God, why don't you sit down with Ditka huh, and have an Old Style beer, beer?
3: Theo Epstein steps down from the Chicago Cubs. Oh. I mean- sub though we may be on a dark timeline, as of this November, it's believed we're at least back on the correct timeline. Yeah. Uh, um- President... Of the Chicago Cubs, Theo Epstein is stepping down. Uh, Epstein has accomplished a great deal. Just 22 years old. He has already won a World Series in each league. He's ended one legitimate curse and one curse that really felt more like marketing.
1: Yeah, and one, we feel bad because we don't have a curse curse.
3: Wait, how old is he? Oh, that was a joke. He looks oh, young. I was going to say. Yeah, no, he's, he's uh, mid-40s, I want oh, to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still? So
1: clearly, wow. I mean, mid-40s, but he's a man who clearly sold his soul to the devil,
3: so... Got it. Okay. it's yeah, yeah. probably why he looks so young. Uh, Epstein had planned to stay for another year, but recently changed course, saying, quote, it really became clear that we'd be facing some significant long-term decisions this winter. Decisions with long-term impacts. Those types of decisions are really best made by somebody who's going to be here for a long time, not just one more year. Ooh. Yikes. Ooh. What, you think he was going to get pushed out? Was he getting bored? Oh, man. The Cubs, once appearing on the verge of a dynasty, now have an owner who's crying poor. Yeah. Cubs are going to be bad for a while. Yeah.
0: Eesh.
3: You know it's funny. <laughs> Deal with it, Wrigleyville.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm sure if you mentioned to, like, a whole bunch of different people, you're like, hey, there's a GM who's going to win a World Series for the Cubs, and they would have been like, that guy is going to be employed here for decades.
3: And they would have been wrong, because they're Cubs fans, so. Uh, The Cubs, 505 regular season victories since 2015. Trail only the Dodgers and the Astros, who both are still good teams. Yeah. Few. In response to this sad news, four out of five Wrigleyville residents quickly pointed out that Notre Dame was still undefeated, baby! (laughs) Chicago Cubs Update Watch Update. Chicago
1: Cubs Update Watch Update brought to you by...
2: Old-style beer. Have my pork chop with uh, Ryan Sandberg and have an old-style beer. News, news, news on the Sports, Sports, Sports podcast with Jordan,
3: Joel, and Phil. News, news, news. Feel good news. News feels good.
2: Feel good news. News feel good. Brought to you by. Team owner massage parlors. We just give massages. Wink.
3: I, you know, far be it from me. and I don't like to comment on uh, on our drops there, and far be it for me to tell our ad a uh, team. I don't what think to I've do. ever
1: wanted to visit one of our sponsors so badly.
3: I I feel like I don't know that it was appropriate that we ran that ad. I, I need mean, a
1: massage so bad. I think I gotta go back in.
3: Tiger Woods will team up with his 11-year-old son for the PNC Championship in Orlando. Aww,
2: See? exactly.
3: Sub-headline, at least that's where they told Charlie's mom they're going.
2: Look out! Men, 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 men. Uh, Somebody's
1: ti- about to learn which chain restaurants have the coolest waitresses.
2: Friendlies.
3: Tiger Woods and his son Charlie will be teaming up for the PNC Championship, which is a yearly father-son golf tournament. Uh, Woods has two children. And I'm going to correct a mistake I made last time. I said that Tiger had two sons, an older one, Sam, and a younger one named Charlie. And I made a joke about Charlie clearly being the, the favorite. Yeah. Okay? Now, that, that was a mistake. Sam is his daughter.
1: Ooh.
3: Ouch. Samantha, right? Right? Yeah. So that was, you know. So just for the record, Charlie, still the favorite, but not because he golfs. It's because Sam is old enough to understand some things that make her hate her dad.
1: Oh, oh sure. Yeah. That makes sense.
3: It had nothing to do with golf. I thought it was all about golf. It's more of a family thing.
1: She also thinks that red shirt thing is super obnoxious.
3: Oh, the red shirt thing's cool, and Sam is wrong.
1: Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, you know.
3: Uh, that being... Okay, so Charlie was uh, seen hugging his father, Tiger, after he won the 2019 Masters, and in something that we covered earlier this year that went viral, Tiger caddied uh, for Charlie at Junior Golfer Tournaments. Um... That that being said, Charlie was actually Wood's second choice for the tournament. Rory McIlroy didn't want to be adopted, um, but Tiger kind of had an ulterior motive, and he was able to slip his digits to McIlroy's wife.
0: Okay, Uh, nice. uh,
3: So Tiger's going to be making the most, though, out of this father-son outing. Quote, I can't tell you how excited I am to be playing with Charlie in our first official tournament together. It's been great watching him progress as a junior golfer and will be incredible playing as a team together in the PNC championship. Uh, that was, that was a tiger woods talking to sports illustrated. Charlie was a little less charitable speaking through sports illustrated for kids. He said, I just hope he doesn't need 10 strokes on a par three, like an Augusta national on Sunday.
2: Wait, that happened.
3: Yeah. That tiger thing- had a, had a 10, I believe on uh, number 12. Yeah, I read three. about this,
1: which is one of those, you know, how do you not, how many drops are you going to take in a single hole?
3: Uh, now the tournament will be held in Orlando. This means, of course, there are, and you guys, Phil will know this, there, in Orlando there's a large amount of carrots at Tiger's disposable, disposal sorry, <laughs> to incentivize a good performance from Charlie. Oh okay, so yes, there is. They're
1: basically going going at it like he's a horse, is what you're saying.
3: Yeah. Well, in this case, being a little figurative with the carrot thing.
1: Oh, 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 that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. All right.
3: Uh, you know, you you know all the the hits in you know uh in in Orlando, but here's the thing: Charlie is a pretty worldly 11 year old. He knows the best strip clubs are in Tampa. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but the best the best miniature golf courses are in Orlando. So I'm that's sure true. that's what yeah, they're going to celebrate.
1: People overlook Orlando. There's a lot of lonely dads looking to get away from the family. It can be a fun
3: strip club scene. Uh, the PNC Championship is described, as earlier we stated, as a father-son st- tournament. But it's more of a family thing. The article I read noted that uh, it allowed uh, Arnold Palmer to play with his grandson. It had Aaron Stewart, the son of Payne Stewart, playing with another pro golfer after Payne Stewart tragically died in a plane crash. Oh, he's really got to work through some pain there, huh? Yeah. And Fuzzy Zoller has played in it with his daughter. And that's all this article mentions about Fuzzy Zoller. On the pro side, golfers must have won at least a major or the player's championship. And their partner must not hold a PGA Tour card.
1: And Charlie doesn't have one of those. Yeah, yes. no,
2: that's the that's the requirement.
3: That's pretty easy to
2: meet. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go yell at my dad and be like, "Hey, I'm picking I'm picking up my end of this."
3: Yeah, where's your tour card and your major championship, Dad? I want the money, <laughs> Dad. Uh, well, there is uh, despite uh, Joel not being uh playing this year. There are a bunch of other golfers in the field uh, playing with their fathers or their sons. And uh, I'll I'll list some here and give you a fun fact about them. Uh, Justin Thomas, he's playing with his dad. He is the third-ranked golfer in the world. Lee Trevino is playing with his son. Lee Trevino was struck by lightning in the 1975 Western Open. And And he was asked by a reporter what he would do if he were out on a course and it began to storm again. And Trevino answered that he would take out a one-iron and point it to the sky because, quote, not even God can hit a (laughs) one-iron.
1: There it is.
3: Uh, Jim Furyk golfing with his son. Jim Furyk, uh, whose swing has been described as both, quote, an octopus falling out of a tree and, quote, evoking the image of a one-armed golfer using an axe to kill a snake in a telephone booth. Huh. Descriptions of his swing, Jim Furyk's swing.
1: And is that, that's that's like traditional form though, right? Ish, I ish. I could have sworn at my one golfing lesson, it was something about, or wait, no, it was killing a lizard with a mallet.
3: That wasn't a golfing lesson, Joel. Inside of a shed, I think. That, I think that hobo conned you.
1: Oh, damn it.
3: Uh, Greg Norman did just send me into a dark shed with a mallet. So, Greg Norman going to be golfing with his son, and uh, I know the joke you're going to make, but it's not going to work because this tournament's a scramble. <laughs> so he can't blow it for him. Oh uh, um, yeah. <laughs> in the one-hour drama version of the tournament, though, the episode about Greg Norman and his kid would be one of my all-time favorite drama episode title cliches: "Sins of
2: the Father." Ooh! Ooh! Yikes! Well, Jordan,
1: maybe maybe you've got the wrong impression here. Maybe they're going to get to the end of the tournament and they're going to be way ahead and then Greg Norman is going to fail spectacularly as a father. (laughs) Like his son's going to be performing so well and then he's going to get like super in his face and judgy and micromanagey, and his son's going to lose all his confidence and it's going to erode away and they're never really going to be
3: quite close again. Uh, quick research most common episode title for a television uh, episode pilot. finale finale oh yeah oh. yeah yep. not pilot well no, well I said television series oh okay. that implies more than like a handful of episodes makes generally makes sense uh, and lastly John Daly who is who's playing with his son Uh, But historically, and this should surprise no one, the dailies do not take the tournament too seriously. Mm. They're on record stating that they only show up, quote, for the open bar and the after-dinner spouse bikini contest. Yeah. Feel good news! News feels
1: good! Feel good news! News feels good! Brought to you by...
2: Team owner Massage Parlors. No, seriously. It's just for great massages wink 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 wink.
3: joining us now on the podcast is pro golfer Wilco Nyamber oh it's great to be here uh Wilco, Wilco are you that you there yeah oh here, can you hear me yes yes I, I can hear you uh, we're having you on. You are a pro golfer, and you have uh, the longest average drive on the tour. Is that correct? Yeah,
0: and, yeah. Well, from South Africa. And you know, I've built in a 439-yard drive on Thursday. Wow.
1: Uh, I'm not a golfer, but I think that's pretty far.
0: Yeah, you know, if I was playing something like rugby... I'd be considered a bit of a scrawny lad, but because I'm a golfer, I'm the meanest hunk of meat you see on the course.
1: Yeah, I was about to
0: say, uh,
1: you know, you 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 are a little bit on the smaller side. You stand, yeah. uh, you know, well that's shorter what, than me. And- what I'll
0: give myself this really deep voice. So that people know we've got just an intimidating drive. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't know that the voice is all that intimidating just to listen to. Uh, it. It's
0: pretty
3: intimidating. I'm intimidated. Uh, yeah. People who can't enunciate give me the
0: heebie-jeebies. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know is it cause you've broken the jaw so many times. Right. Maybe because of all the fighting. But that's not me. I'll just put on this voice so that people know how to find. him. Well, let me ask you, because
3: obviously drive lengths have been going up on the tour the past quarter century. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau is one of the heaviest hitters on the PGA Tour. The little, in-
0: little weak length. <laughs> yeah, right. Bryson um, but- Little, little, little scrawny noodle arms I've got noodle arms too but slightly tougher noodle arms than Bryson right but I guess my question
3: is how did you how did you train what did you do to be able to achieve this feat how are you able to hit the ball so far
0: oh, oh I'll go through an intense the most intense workout regimen of any professional goofy yeah could you walk us through that yeah So, I'll go to the driving range quite a bit. Right, okay. But instead of swinging around just a regular driver, I'll swing around a bag of rocks. Okay. I mean, is this like not to hit the ball, but just to get loose? Is that what you're doing? Just to get loose, swing it around like it's a golf club. But it's a big, heavy bag of rocks. Okay. That's
1: interesting. Not That's like a weighted driver or even makes like a you
0: flight Nah, yeah, cause I'm uh, I'm an animal. In comparison to other golfers, I'm pretty normal compared to regular folk.
3: So oh, yeah. well, after you, but after you're done swinging the, the the bag of rocks, then then what?
0: Oh, then it's time for more anger training. <laughs> anger training. <laughs> I'm gonna get really mad at the bull. Well, so, how, do you, how do you do that? So I look at the ball and I'll go, oh, that's Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot of terrible things in his life. And uh, this is, I'm going to punish him by hitting his head as hard as I can. Ah! <laughs> then I swig.
3: Okay, that I feel like step one and step two of this seems like solid training. I don't know about you, Joel, but like he's swinging the bag of rocks. That's building the muscle. Yeah, little right?
1: unorthodox, but in a very like Rocky four, cutting logs kind of way.
3: <laughs> right, right, right. Just using using the land really, yeah. and then and then you you kind of uh, imagine uh, uh, the ball being a terrible person, yeah. and get you get very angry and very then angry. At
0: yeah, uh, it does seem like and is that sort
3: of... of a thing? You do that for the entire bucket of balls when you're at
0: the driving it, range? T- yeah. Oh, sometimes I think of different people. I'll be okay. like, oh, that's Charlie Manson. Oh, okay. Charles okay. Manson shouldn't have brainwashed all them girls and kick, they'll go kill for him. Ah, then I hit the ball.
1: Okay, right. uh, well, I know you know a, a lot of people though would really say that the the thing about a big drive is that it really has less to do with how much force you can generate and more to do with sort of really good form and and putting that force into a very sort of specific, accurate stroke that's going to make the ball carry the furthest. So yeah,
0: and the people who say that, how how far do they drive? How fast? How far, far did? How far is their driver? Huh? Well, they they're probably little nerds in the lip coats. This does. This does. It does feel like this is get your
3: nose out of the statistics, Joel. Yeah. What do these? What do these people know? Well, they're, I mean, they're, they're
0: sitting around eating crepe Suzette, whereas well, I, I say, eat an all a hundred percent nothing but powdered protein diet. Really? Well, that, is that yeah. does that help you build the muscle you need to drive it Builds that far? Builds the muscle, repairs the broken muscle. I hey. mean, you don't.
1: You don't seem all that muscular.
0: No, I'm still pretty skinny compared to regular folk.
1: Yeah, I was really going to say that. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, if 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 I just sort of saw a picture of you, I would have been like, and especially if I saw like a picture of you and you said just a few words, I would have been like, why is that poor Cockney orphan? Uh, out in a golf course.
0: Yeah, but you have to remember is that I'm tough for a golfer.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's... Not tough in general. Right, right. That's, that's pretty clear now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In general, I'd be considered probably below average.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that. Do you, you know, like, do you have any hobbies when you're not golfing that might indicate...
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, what I like to do uh, is I like to go to the them smash rooms where you smash just rooms? get a baseball bat and you can just break stuff for 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. So when
1: you can't channel your anger into a golf ball, boy, I'm, it's just hard to contain.
0: This more secret, Joe. I'm always angry. Now I
3: don't I don't want to get too far off topic here. I think we're all really impressed about how far you can drive the ball. Yeah. But you know, you know what they say in golf is is drive for show, putt for dough. So how's your short game and how do you reconcile your short game with your uh,
0: almost murderous
3: like impulses?
0: Yeah, short game's not very good. <laughs> Could use a lot, lot of work in your short game.
2: Yeah? It's, yeah, cuz
0: you know why? Because when I'm hitting a putt Right, and I'm on yeah. the green, eh? Then yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the ball, and I'm like, I kind of pretend it's not Jeffrey Epstein's face. <laughs> right. I've got to think that it's like a soft egg that you're trying not to break. Right, and you got to kind of
3: read the green you too. Gotta, I'd imagine, oh, right? Oh, I hate
0: reading, reading <laughs> splendids.
3: This does explain.
1: I remember reading that right after his 493-yard, yard, nine, Yeah. 439-yard drive uh, was immediately followed by a 127-yard putt. So, yeah,
0: I'm I'm kind of like Happy Gilmore. I got (laughs) to learn how to channel it and and how to putt properly. Haven't learned it yet. Have you ever thought that maybe, like, you know,
1: if, if you imagine that your ball is Jeffrey Epstein on the tee, it's got to be pretty hard to stop imagining it's that person you hate when you get to the putting drive.
0: Yeah, it's very difficult. <laughs> and yes, the problem is that I, that I have to get the, let all the anger go away. And I can't. You know why, Joel? Because I, it's my secret. I'm always angry. What if, what if you put, what if you like
1: swapped it out for a different ball?
0: You know, I believe like, that's against
1: regulation. No, it's like the Jeffrey Epsteins of the Titleist Fives and the Mother Teresas of the Titleist Fours. Uh, oh, was,
0: see, Joe, that's my second secret. Yeah. I can't read. Oh,
3: <laughs> that truly is. That's something you should probably keep a secret. Yeah, I probably Boy, keep
0: Wilco, a secret. Do you, do you
1: think maybe that's why you're so angry?
0: It's a little bit, yeah. I was picked on quite a bit at school because I was both scrawny and couldn't read. Yeah. so well, I'll hey, put all listen, my energy I, into driving
1: I know what it's like to get picked on in school buddy uh, picked <laughs> on at school it was it was a pretty rough time for me too so maybe you know maybe the first thing that you got to do here is just sort of connect with connect with that anger and really start to understand it instead of just unleashing it on golf balls
3: uh, I want to just ask real, real quick Wilco uh, a little bit of a fun question to end on maybe if you ever were to win the masters, what would you choose as the dinner menu when you come back the following year?
0: Oh, that's a great question. What I would do is make an entire turkey out of protein powder. And then everybody, would they would take a bite, thinking it's turkey, they spit out and they go, what is this? And I'd be like, it's making you better, you weaklings. That you like little great... scrawny weaklings.
1: It sounds like a great way to give everybody else a 439-yard drive.
3: It's true. Well, uh, thank you very much, Wilco.
2: I uh, appreciate having you on. Pleasure to be here. And now it's time for another Wide World of Weird Sports. Oh, it's Wide World of Weird Sports time for it's Wide World of Weird Sports. Wide World of Weird Sports. What do we got this week? This week's Wide World of Weird Sports, Night Riders.
1: Wait, I thought it was just the one show. Oh no. no! They had like a, a remake later on. Okay,
2: all right. No, I'm Night interested Riders. to see how
1: this ties back to sports.
2: Night Riders, also known as George A. Romero's Night Riders. That's right. The Zombie King himself made a movie oh. called Night Riders. Is a 1981 American drama film written and directed by George A. Romero, starring Ed Harris, Gary Lotti, Tom Savini, Amy Ingersoll. Patricia Tallman, and Christine Forrest.
3: And so, okay, I've never heard of this. Uh, Is this about sports? Yep. (laughs) I mean, I had sort of assumed that.
2: I'll get there. Hold on. It was filmed entirely on location in the Pittsburgh metro area. Uh, The film represents a change of pace for Romero, usually known for his horror films. This is a personal drama about a traveling Renaissance fair troupe. What? Yep. That's right. Billy leads a traveling troupe that jousts on motorcycles.
3: Ooh. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome.
2: Yeah, so it's kind of two sports in one jousting and motorcycling together. Yeah. Night riders, spelled with you a know K. Oh, that's
1: interesting. Wonder what's actually more dangerous, jousting on horses or motorcycles?
3: Yeah. Motorcycles Ooh. that go
1: faster, presumably.
3: But horses can get spooked.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they can stomp in your head. Yeah, that's I feel true. like there's much less chance of your motorcycle killing you after you get knocked off.
2: Well, let me tell you, in this in this one, motorcycles are pretty dangerous.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> so King William, as he styles himself, tries to lead the troop according to his Arthurian ideals. However, the constant pressure of balancing those ideals against the Modern-day realities and financial pressures of running the organization are beginning to strain the group.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sorry, I gotta I'm tell so, you, I'm all, sorry. Of the, all of those oh. Arthurian legends are about you know, Lancelot and Arthur and motorcycles, but they never mention the other hardships.
2: Yeah, the capitalist realities, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, as you might remember from *Dawn of the Dead*, George A. Romero is pretty hard on capitalism.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, Billy is also plagued by a recurring dream of a black bird. Tensions are exacerbated by Billy's constantly pushing himself despite being injured and the arrival of a promoter named Bon Tempe, who wants to represent the troop.
1: Okay, mm. like yeah. Bon Tempe, like he's a member of the German family that founded the city in Arizona?
2: Uh, it's kind of like Bon Appetit but everything's switched around.
1: That makes more sense. It's like a French thing.
2: Yep. After Billy spends a night in jail, watching a member of his troop beaten because Billy has refused to pay off a corrupt local cop. Oh, geez. Yeah. Billy returns to the fairground, where the troop is next to perform, and is shocked that some members want to join the promoter. His sense of betrayal is heightened when his queen, Lynette, admits that her feelings for him may not be the reason why she remains with the troop. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Things come to a major head after Morgan, leader of the dissident faction, who believes he should be king, wins the day's tournament, and a fight breaks out between the troop and rowdy members of the crowd. Oh no. Oh yeah. this is
3: this is either your the, the best case scenario or your worst nightmare if you frequent Renaissance fairs.
2: Well this is where the nightmare becomes very real. So Billy he, faces he,
1: wait, uh, can I real quick, so he's He's not just the king of this troop. He's an actual king.
2: No, he's the king of this troop.
1: Then why is there a dissident faction?
2: Because they think that they want to go with Bon Appetit.
1: Oh, so this is like a pretty big troop.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a whole bunch of jousters on motorcycles, so yeah.
1: Okay. I guess I was imagining like four or five people, but...
2: All right, let's go back to the segue, because it's really good. Yeah. This is when the nightmare becomes real. Because... <laughs> Billy faces an Indian rider with a black eagle crest on his breastplate. It's the black bird from his dreams. Oh, Ooh. no. Yeah. So Billy right. defeats the Indian but aggravates his injury, later commissioning the Indian as a knight in his troop. Okay. But then Morgan and several other riders so, leave so the, the troop the fear, to follow Bon Appetit.
1: The fear of his recurring nightmare... Uh dissipates quickly after his defeat is what you're saying
2: oh no because he's still there yeah that's not the beginning and the end of the story (laughs) so billy's loyal supporter alan also departs with his new girlfriend julie and friend bors tries to sort out his emotions billy and the remainder of the troop settle at the fairground awaiting the dissident's return (gasps) yeah This is where it starts getting really real. Troop member Pippin comes to terms with his homosexuality and finds love with Punch. Oh, that's good. There's a lot going on in this movie.
3: Oh, man, this is like the end of uh, a second half of Act 2 love story. Exactly,
2: exactly. And Alan's girlfriend, Julie, has run away from home to escape her alcoholic and abusive father and her weak-willed mother. While Alan is soul-searching, he realizes Julie is using him as an escape, and he really desires Qu- Billy's queen, Lynette. Yeah, Alan takes a confused and hurt Julie home to her parents. Yikes. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Morgan's writers succumb to infighting. Alan finds Morgan and helps him realize that there can only be one king, and sees about signing with Bon Appetit. However, after seeing a rowdy, drunken behavior in his friends, Morgan and his riders return to Billy's fair to challenge for the crown. Oh,
3: man, this is the climax, right?
2: This is the climax, yeah. Billy and his former teammates motorcycle jousting. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Billy announces his retirement and sets forth the rules. All knights must compete, and any man knocked off his motorcycle is out. Morgan is victorious. And he's crowned king by Billy. Angie, the troop's mechanic, is then crowned queen by Morgan after he realizes that she is the woman he loves. And Lynette finds love with Alan. (laughs) Billy's life has fallen apart. He loses the tournament. The love of his life finds love with Alan. He's retired, no longer king.
1: Where did the mechanic come from? Now she's in love with someone?
2: Yeah. Well, I, well, no, I mean, Angie is really the one Billy loved. We don't know much about Angie. <laughs> Billy leaves the troop, accompanied by the silent eagle-crested knight, and returns to thrash the crooked cop. While riding again, Billy, weak and hallucinatory from loss of blood from his injury, has a vision of riding an actual horse. Immediately afterwards, he's struck by an oncoming truck. <laughs> The entire troop gathers at Billy's funeral to say farewell this to his fallen king. This still going? King. How much falling action is there? Yep. Oh, my God. Well, it ends with him. I mean, Billy, this is really about the downfall of a king. <laughs> Nothing good happens to him in the whole movie.
3: So, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone's at his funeral.
2: That's it. They say farewell to their fallen king. Wow. That's wow. the movie. That's it.
3: Wow. I think there'd be a fun dynamic between the people at the Renaissance Fair who are think uh, jousting on motorcycles is awesome and the people who are like, yeah, it's just not the same, man. You know, it's yeah. too high tech.
1: Yeah, it's like me and drum machines, I think.
2: Yeah, and that okay. brings it down an to another wide world of weird sports. I oh, will never know exactly why Joel compares this to drum machines because I cut him off.
3: This is a podcast town. This brings to a close another sports. 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 Podcast. Before we go, we're going to bring back Wilco Niember to give you our contact information. Well, that's
0: right. Again. Oh, yeah. Time to give the contact information. You can find us on Facebook. We'll go to Facebook.com slash sports number three podcast. It's Facebook.com slash sports number three podcast. You can share the video of my monster drive. Or you can find us on Twitter. By going to, tw- to twitter.com slash number 3 podcast That's twitter.com slash number 3 podcast Where you're there, make sure to tweet angry things at all the other weaklings in golf, but not me, because I'm the strongest of the golfers. Oh, you can find us, all of our back episodes, at anchor.fm slash number 3 podcast That's anchor.fm slash number 3 podcast Listen while you train. Thank you very much, Wilco. You're welcome. Hey, guys. Joel. Joel.
1: Drum machines have no soul. Bye, Bye, Joel. Bye, Joel.